Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Hey, Mary Kay. I'm the Orange and Brown Talk feed. Doug Maurice, guest hosting for Dan Lobby today. But of course, the star of the show is Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, good to be with you. Good to be with you. Lots of questions. A fair amount of angst from the Browns insiders who are asking these questions as tech subscribers. If you want this opportunity to correspond directly with one of the very best beat writers in the NFL, you can become a Browns insider. This is a great edge that you get on lots of other Browns fans out there. You can bring it right to Mary Kay. You go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner, and you can get signed up via the insider there. We have Kevin Stefanski questions, Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, but Mary Kay, we got to start with a lot of Joe Wood stuff. Hey, Mary Kay, do you agree that the defensive coordinator should be fired? And if not, why? If the Browns were to replace the defensive coordinator in season, who on the staff would be the number one candidate that is Paul in Philly, Mary Kay, and we got a lot of people coming in behind him. Does Stefanski have what it takes to fire Woods midseason? That's Roger in Dublin, Ohio. From uh, Trevor in L.A., I think it has become clear we don't have a talent issue on D. Are the Browns going to replace Joe Woods next year, or do you see them making an in-season change? So that's later or now. Given the talent on the defensive side of the ball and Joe Woods' reluctance to play press coverage and blitz more frequently, do we need a new defensive coordinator next year who would be more aggressive in his game plan? And that was from the 216 and also from Brad in Avon. I believe the defense has underperformed most of the year. Blown coverages have been an Achilles heel for this team. I look at the roster on paper and I can't for the life of me understand the inconsistent play. I feel our talent is too high for this product. Question is Joe Woods on the hot seat. Mary Kay, it's what everybody's talking about. Where are you on the Browns defensive coordinator? Well, obviously there are some issues going on right now and they reared their ugly head in that game against the Patriots. And they really were out coached. I mean, when you talk about the defensive mastermind, Bill Belichick, uh, and you put that up against what happened uh, with the Cleveland Browns on their side of the ball. I mean, there really was no comparison, but then you go to the week before that, and lo and behold, they're holding down Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, uh, you know, making them look like a horrible, horrible football team. And they have also, uh, and it wasn't necessarily against the best teams in the NFL this season, but on five occasions have held teams to 16 points or less. So, no, I don't think it's time to fire the defensive coordinator when you are at five and five with the same amount of victories as three other teams in the AFC North, only one victory 
behind the Ravens who are basically falling apart and playing some really bad football right now. Uh, So I don't think it's time for that kind of a distraction. However, I do think it's time for everyone to close ranks and figure out how to make this better. And if that includes uh, giving maybe Chris Kiffin a little bit more responsibility, uh, he's the defensive line coach. I really like what he brings to the table. I watch him very closely every day. Coach, I'd listen to what he says, how he does his job. And I really like what I see in him. Maybe they give him a little bit more responsibility. Uh, Maybe they get a little bit more input. Maybe Kevin Stefanski has to get a little bit more involved on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, You know, some kind of intervention I think needs to take place. There were times this season when John Johnson three was basically stuck at that deep post position and he really wasn't uh, maximizing his potential. So I think there are other things like that that need to be happening. And one of the problems, Doug, is the fact that they didn't have the bye. They haven't had the bye week yet. Mm. A lot of those issues get worked out at the bye. When you have time to catch your breath, break down all the film and build it back up again and figure out what you want to do right. They haven't had a bye week. So they're just kind of tripping over themselves to get there. And I think that's part of the problem. Ohio State ran into a a similar issue earlier this year, and they didn't fire anybody, but they demoted somebody and they made someone else the play caller defensively. Uh, I do like your idea of maybe get more people involved, maybe have some louder voices in the room with Joe Woods. I would not put a lot of money on Joe Woods being back next year at this point. Just, I understand maybe you don't pull the plug mid season, but if you're at this point, they didn't have the talent last year. Now maybe they have it. And that I think is why a lot of people are asking this kind of stuff, Mary Kay, because they see the influx of what they did in the draft and in free agency on the defensive side of the ball, they say, how can it be the talent? It must be something else. And then you go to the coach with questions like this along the same lines. Hey, well, oh, oh, go ahead. If you want you to finish something I, up there, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to add real quick and we can get into this more in one of the next questions. And that is, um, you know, when you do have your star defensive player coming out and seemingly questioning the defensive coordinator, uh, then I think you have a real problem systemically. And we will get that to that mm-hmm. specifically yep. a little bit later. Uh, hey, Mary Kay from TJ and Akron. What did the Patriots identify in the Browns defense that allowed them to shred us so easily? This was the same defense that made Joe Burrow look pedestrian a week prior and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo was back. Is it as simple as the players didn't make plays or are there significant holes in the scheme? And then along those same lines, hey, Mary Kay, a similar question from the 805. We have two great press man corners, yet we seem to default to soft zones. Our personnel simply isn't as good in zone and we see smart teams pick us apart. Why don't we just man up in coverage? Do you think, Mary Kay, there are specific things with what Joe Woods is asking these guys to do that could be fixed? Yes, I think so. I do think that more press man coverage uh, would be better for this defense because I think they have the horses to to be able to play it. And I think that kind of tighter coverage, which I thought they had sort of turned the corner into more of that against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, But, you know, Denzel Ward can play that way. Greg Newsom can certainly play that way. Uh, So, yes, I think they should do more of that. Uh, I do think that they should blitz more, and I think they will probably do that. Uh, When JOK gets a little bit more up to speed, he only played, I think, 21 snaps in that game, and he is their best blitzer. But their game plan, uh, their game plan just didn't seem, 
it just didn't seem right for what it called for. I mean, they just did not have the right, uh, the right things in place for what they needed to do in this game. And I think there were other factors at play. I think that Mac Jones is getting better and better by the week. I think he has great touch on the ball. I think that, uh, I just think that he is probably better than what they were anticipating or maybe ready for. I think they thought uh, maybe when Damian Harris, their lead running back was out, that that would be advantage Browns. And lo and behold, uh, Ramondi, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Ramondre, yeah. Ramondre Stevenson comes in there and just runs over them. They ran for 184 yards and they did. They found holes. They found uh, the holes to be able to do that in the Browns defense. And that's what Bill Belichick does best. This was a, a, a really good chess match from the, from a coaching standpoint. Uh, I mean, that they just did a phenomenal job of identifying the weaknesses of hitting them on screens and some other things, whatever they, whatever they found that they did poorly over the last how many ever weeks, uh, Bill Belichick exploited those things, whether it be in terms of personnel, whether it be in terms of, again, with the screen. And then there were just some really good plays made by the Patriots. I thought Stevenson showed Good burst, speed, vision, explosiveness. He he was good. I mean, he he was good. And a good player like that can make you look bad. And I thought Mac Jones was really good. Um, so I think that was part of it too. Um, but yes, schematically things need need to change, and uh, each player needs to they need to pick up their own performance and find it within themselves. I mean, Miles. Uh, you know, he, you know, he needs to, to do even more. He's a generational player and he did get a sack and that's great. But in a game like that, uh, I think he can dig deep and find even more himself. Let's stay with some Miles Garrett conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mary Kay. This is from Doward in Sacramento, California. Miles Garrett just said what we all have been seeing all year. What adjustments, if there are any to be done? Way too much talent to witness that beatdown by a rookie quarterback. And then from David in Miami Beach, was Miles Garrett correct in his analysis of the defensive schemes, even though it should have stayed in-house? Mary Kay, was he right? Should he have said it? Well, first of all, I think when we asked follow-up questions to Kevin Stefanski today in his day after press conference, I asked him point blank, you know, is there something to be said for the fact that you guys did not make adjustments on both sides of the ball. And he said, yes, he admitted that. And it's obvious that they didn't. I mean, when you're giving up 45 straight points and only scoring seven, you didn't make the right adjustments. And there were adjustments to be made. There were definitely adjustments to to be made. Uh, I mean, just Baker Mayfield going downfield a little bit more to uh, some of his guys. And you know what? Okay. So they lead the NFL in uh, with 13 interceptions heading into that game. And Baker was a little off, like he has been at times, at plenty of times this season. Um, but I think they still got a little gun shy. I think they got a little gun shy. You've got to put the gunslinger back in Baker Mayfield. You've got to get him rolling. You have to get him, you have to get his confidence up. You've got to get some completions. Uh, and, and that just wasn't happening. And there are guys to get him. I mean, do you mean to tell me you can't find some completions to Jarvis Landry somehow? Yes, you can. You can, right? We got a lot of Kevin and Baker coming up. We got a lot of my, why not finish their thought on miles. Cause we did, we're going to get into a lot of Kevin and Baker. Kevin Stefanski did talk right on Monday, did talk about 
what Miles Garrett said in saying there were no defensive adjustments. Did you think Kevin was kind of not happy with that? Well, he did not say. Uh, he didn't say if he was happy with that or not. But I would have to think, just knowing from what we know of Kevin Stefanski so far, that he would have probably appreciated it if Miles had kept those things in house. He's your best star defensive player. And yes, he probably is. He's speaking the truth. Okay. Like you said, everybody can see what's going on out there. And you, and if you didn't make the adjustments, then, um, you know, then it, it, it probably doesn't need to be uttered post game by your star defensive player. Now we talked about this on the podcast yesterday too, and you made some good points, Doug, about the fact that, you know, he's calling a shot and he's, he, people listen to him and he's obviously trying to get the message out there. So basically my bottom line is miles is speaking some truth. Definitely. But miles should also have just kept that in house. I think the team leaders such as miles, Anthony Walker, Denzel Ward, and a few others should sit down with Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods and air their concerns. If they haven't done that already. That's what I think needs to happen. Now, if they've done that six times already and nothing came of those meetings, then maybe uh, you go public with that. Even then, I, I think it's a, a risky thing to do. But I think this is a, you know, let's close ranks and pull together and figure this out on the inside because we are still in the thick of a playoff. All right. Lots of defensive questions to start this Hey Mary Kay podcast. We're going to transition to some Kevin Stefanski, some Baker Mayfield, some Jarvis Landry. We'll do that next on Hey Mary Kay. Doug Maurice back with Mary Kay Cabot. Hey Mary Kay from Mike in Aurora. I feel we should shut Baker down for at least the Detroit game to give him time to heal up. Maybe also the first Baltimore game, then the bye. Plenty of time to heal then get him back in there. What do you think of that, Mary Kay? Well, I think it has everything to do with really how that knee is. I mean, they need to do the strength test, the range of motion and everything. And if the knee is fine, uh, you know, basically you would be sitting him down for performance reasons and they would have to decide, are we going to sort of bench our quarterback uh, for performance reasons? Because if it's not health, then it's performance. So, I, I would have to think that it's not time to bench him uh, unless, the, unless the knee is serious enough to keep him out of this football game. Let's let him see if he can work his way out of this. But, you know, I do keep coming back to, I, I put a lot on the shoulders of the quarterback. I think that a quarterback needs to elevate the play of those around him. And I know there are some extenuating circumstances. Blake Hans is in there instead of Jack Conklin. Jed Wills has had some issues and struggles this season uh, with some pass blocking and, and some other things like that. So uh, I do think that Baker doesn't necessarily have all the help he could possibly use from his pass catchers and from his blockers. Um, but I don't think it's time to bench him for performance. So I'm keeping him in there until uh, the arm falls off or the knee falls off. You know, I think they would have been a different team. Think about this. If, if we had said heading into the season that Baker Mayfield is going to go play the Patriots without Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jack Conklin. Okay. And I'm talking about three pro bowlers so far and Odell Beckham Jr. 
Okay. Think about that. If we had said that, you know, three, two, three months ago, we would have thought, wow, that's going to be a really hard game to win with your hands tied behind your back like that. So I kind of want to see who he is again with Nick Chubb back on the field with Kareem Hunt back on the field, which I think was probably a bigger loss than, than some of us even realized. And, uh, and just kind of see where they can go from there. If you would have told me all those guys were going to be out, I still would have thought he should average more than 3.5 yards per attempt. So it's not just that they lost. It's that it was a, it was a non-functional passing game. Two more Baker questions that matter here. This is from Mike in Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay. During Baker's first season, he had numerous chunk plays with Prashad Perriman, Jarvis Landry, and Rashard Higgins. Under the current offensive philosophy, those plays are few and far between. Is it time for Kevin Stefanski to rethink his game manager philosophy with Baker? You know, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes on that. Baker is not a game manager. That's not who he is. If you're going to turn him into a game manager, then it's not a fit between Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. That's not who he is. He's a dynamic playmaker. He is uh, an aggressive player. He likes to take shots downfield and he is a gunslinger. And I think you have to let him play it out a little bit. And if that includes throwing a few interceptions, which he, he could have had three more yesterday. Uh, if you have to let him work through some of that, I mean, Brett Favre used to throw plenty of interceptions and they hate that. Um, Kevin Stefanski is very interception averse. He can't stand picks. Nobody really can, but these guys have a very, very strong aversion to them. And I think in some ways they're calling the game accordingly. Uh, in this particular instance, you were going against the team that led the NFL with 13 interceptions heading in. And I think that got in their heads even more so than playing Bill Belichick. I mean, you knew that at any given moment, if you're taking a shot downfield, somebody's jumping that route and picking that ball off. And again, it could have been three or four interceptions yesterday. So that had something to do with it. But they're going to be playing a lot of inferior pass defenses coming up. Those shots downfield need to come earlier and more often. Big picture question that we knew we were going to get on Baker. I was a little surprised we didn't have more Baker questions from our tech subscribers. A lot on Woods, a lot on Stefanski. Not as much on Baker coming off that game. Hey, Mary Kay from Bob in Virginia. With Baker being so inconsistent, decent one week and then terrible the next, I can't see how the Browns would ever be in the position to give him a big contract. Do you agree? Well, I would have to say that right now at this very moment, nobody is rushing to the negotiating table. It's just not happening. There is nothing uh, that says extension at this time. Okay. They've got them under contract through next season. And I think both sides need more data going forward uh, before they can sit down and decide if he is worth one of those big, enormous blockbuster deals. It's got to be a fit. It's got to be the Browns have to have full faith and confidence that he's the guy that can take them to Super Bowls. And I think the answer right now is it's not that moment. Now, he still has seven games left uh, to turn things around, to right the ship, to get the passing game going, to get the Browns into the playoffs and to do something once he gets there. And when that happens, and maybe it'll look better when Nick's back, when Kareem Hunt's back, who knows? Um, but I think it's time to let it play out and see how this goes. What if they make the playoffs and all of a sudden they're in the AFC championship game? 
I mean, you just don't know yet. So I think he's, I think Baker's banged up. Uh, I think other people are out. Uh, I don't think it's time to say, you know, that's it. It's over. He's not the guy, but I think it's time to say, let's wait and see how 2021 ends. Let's talk about Kevin Stefanski. Lot of questions about this very specific idea with the head coach. Hey, Mary Kay from Lance in Maryland. Has Stefanski considered giving up play calling duties? Hey, Mary Kay from Ronnie in West Virginia. Is it time for Stefanski to hand the play calling duties to Alex Van Pelt? The run game was abandoned early in this game, and it's not the first game that Stefanski abandoned it much too early. Hey, Mary Kay. This is from Jim in Arkansas. Is it time for Stefanski to be the head coach only and secure an offensive play caller? And hey, Mary Kay from Robert in El Paso, Texas. Is it time for Kevin Stefanski to cede his play calling responsibilities to Alex Van Pelt? When something is on the minds of Browns fans, something is on their minds. Mary Kay, are we in that discussion at least right now? Well, you know what? I think it's at least something to consider. And I feel like I'm the only one that sort of asks this question of Kevin Stefanski almost every Monday. Uh, I've asked him so many times, uh, have you thought about giving up the play calling? What are you thinking about doing with the play calling? Is it time to, you know, give Alex Van Pelt more responsibility in the play calling? And I don't know if that's necessarily the right decision, um, but I do think that more collaboration would help. I'd almost do a co play calling thing. And that can be done. Uh, now, maybe you still want, maybe Kevin Stefanski still wants to put the uh, responsibility on his shoulders so that if it doesn't go well, uh, that, that he can kind of take the blame and the buck stops there. But I don't think there would be anything wrong with, um, with giving Alex Van Pelt more of a voice just to see how he would do things a little differently. I think it's, uh, I think it's absolutely uh, you know, well within the bounds of reason to, um, you know, to have him be more involved in, in doing that. I think Baker would appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, to have a, a little bit more of a, an aggressive play caller right now. And Kevin Stefanski, it's not like he's called plays for 10 years. It's not like, you know, it would be repla- trying to replace Andy Reid. I mean, he's, he only called plays last season and three games before that in Minnesota or actually last season, and then the season before that in Minnesota and three other games before that. So it's, it's, he's not, you know, he doesn't have this long body of work. Um, so yes, there's room for improvement. And I think more collaboration would be good. This is an interesting question from Bill in Toledo. It's, it's really more of a theory that he wants you to, to comment on Mary Kay. And I sort of understand where Bill is coming from because I think we have a a pretty certain idea of what Kevin Stefanski is. We know what kind of offense he wants to run and we know what his personality is. And I don't know that we have seen anything really that different from Kevin Stefanski in either of those two ways. So, Hey, Mary Kay from Bill and Toledo. I am using a baseball analogy to help my question make sense. Do you believe that coach Stefanski is like a typical relief pitcher? A typical relief pitcher will have a limited pitch arsenal. A relief pitcher only pitches one or two innings because they have a limited number of ways they can keep a hitter off balance. I may be very wrong about my observation, but our coach doesn't seem to be able to approach an opponent with a great deal of variety. I would be interested to hear your thoughts. What do you think, Mary Kay? I'll tell you what. 
I thought that this season, 2021, would build on 2020 and that they I thought they did have some tricks up their sleeve. I thought they were multiple and creative at times last year. I thought there were things to be very encouraged about. We saw numerous things. We saw Jarvis Landry throw a touchdown pass to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, We saw Odell Beckham Jr. run a reverse 50 yards for a touchdown. We saw other trick plays and gadget plays along the way. We saw revert. We saw jet sweeps. Uh, We saw a lot of passes to receivers. We saw shots downfield and I don't know what's going on this year. It is really hard to get your finger on it. And I'll tell you, I mean, I just have to wonder if, if it's because of Baker, do they just not trust Baker? Do they not trust Baker? Why do you run a, a draw on third and nine? If you trust your quarterback? right? Something's wrong. The shoulder really messes everything up, Mary Kay, because you don't know it. The offense seems limited, but is it limited for a reason? Because they're just trying to keep this guy on the field and he really can't do a lot of the things they ask. It makes it really difficult, I think, to evaluate the two most important people on the team, which is the head coach and the quarterback. But I, I understand what the texter is asking here. And the other thing, Mary Kay, that is hard is you do, you can find clips. We all, the Odell dad video had some truth to it. There are moments where it looks like a Kevin Stefanski play call has some guys open down the field and they're not throwing them. And so then what is that? Well, the, is it the play call? Is it the scheme? It's like, well, it looked like a guy was open 25 yards downfield and the quarterback didn't take the shot. It, it is a really tough evaluation. I think Mary Kay, because you're not sure what the reasons are behind the things you think you're seeing. Yes, you're exactly right about that. And it, it has been very difficult to evaluate. Another thing that I think uh, that we've seen a lot of uh, have been drops of what should be sort of it's seeming, seemingly easy catches, right? And from players who, like Jarvis, who don't normally drop the ball, you know? Uh, so I think that's been a little bit puzzling too. And one of the things that, uh, you know, that really stood out yesterday to, I think anybody watching that football game uh, was just the nice touch that Mac Jones puts on the ball, especially like in the red zone. Right. I mean, he, you know, he just has a way of dropping it in there or taking a little heat off of it when he needs to, or he can fire it in there. And he just has a really strong sense of when to do all of those things. And I think that is just such an innate gift. And it's probably one of the reasons why Bill Belichick drafted him because he's a super, super smart quarterback who has some of those skills that, um, you know, he's not probably the fastest guy. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not this, you know, new wave type of, of quarterback, uh, but he's got a special skill set. And I think that's some of that stuff at times is missing in Baker's game. Not only necessarily maybe not making the right read quickly enough, but not putting that special touch on the ball for the situation. Could be wrong, but because some of the guys don't have, seem to have a problem with it. But enough guys do that it causes me to wonder. I will say, I thought there was a throw that Baker missed on a sideline route. I think the DPJ where he just barely overthrew him. Mm-hmm. And then Mac Jones had a similar throw later in the game to Hunter Henry on a sideline route where he put it right on his hands in double yes. coverage. And, yes. and the ball that Mac Jones ripped through double coverage for like the 24 yard touchdown. 
I feel like we've seen Baker sail a couple throws like that in the red zone this year. Like he gets ready to rip it and he misses it. And the hardest thing about everything you just said, Mary Kay is all those attributes that you're saying Mac Jones has. I think that's what everybody thought Baker Mayfield had that he had special accuracy and touch and making the right throws in the right situations. And so when you see a rookie quarterback have it and a year four quarterback who you thought that was his skill set, not have it on the same day, it's a very tough comparison for Browns fans to take, I think. Yes, it is. And again, again, are there extenuating circumstances? Is this harness bugging the crap out of him, right? Is he just not who he is because of that? Because you know, supposedly his footwork is beautiful this year. That's what Alice Van Pelt tells us. And that if your feet are right, the ball's supposed to be going where you want it to go. And we've seen him be deadly accurate on so many things. But the thing that I noticed, again, like you said about Mac Jones, is that he can fire it in to a super tight window in double coverage. And it's going exactly where he wants to go. We don't all that often see Baker do that. We see him take advantage downfield of Mm one-on-one matchups. If he sees Donovan Peoples-Jones matched up with Eli Apple 60 yards down the field, he's taking that one-on-one matchup all day. What we don't always see him do is take a double-covered guy and fire it in and put it on the dime the way that we saw Mac Jones do yesterday. Another Baker Mayfield usage question that ties into a lot of what we're talking about. Hey, Mary Kay from Kevin and Youngstown. Why does the Browns offense no longer roll Baker Mayfield out and move the pocket? It appears we have gotten away from that. Is it due to his left shoulder? You know, I don't know if it's due to his left shoulder as much as it might be the fact that teams decided they were going to take that away from the Cleveland Browns. Okay. That's all we saw Baker do last year. And if you take away a player's number one strength, which is rolling him out, get him on those boots and keepers, and, and him throwing on the run like that, and he's usually really accurate on the run, you take that away from him and force him uh, to be a pocket passer, then, you know, it's a different ball game. And I wondered all offseason how, and I, you got, we've talked about it on all these pods, how were defenses going to play the 2021 version of Baker Mayfield in his second year in the scheme once they had a book on him, once they had the film, once they could break it down. I mean, what do you think? What do you think Bill Belichick does? I mean, that's what he does for fun. I mean, he goes, you know, that's 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 an enjoyable February, whatever, March afternoon for him is to break down Baker Mayfield film and see how you can uh, get a second year quarterback off his game. And I think they're taking away some of those keepers and those boots. And I, I think it's I think it's hurt. This is the last question we'll do on on Kevin Stefanski and Baker. This is this is further down the line than anybody else had gone. Hey, Mary Kay from Megan in Pittsburgh. Not originally, Megan says, making it clear she's not born and bred Pittsburgh. I feel strongly that Stefanski has been the right man for the moment, establishing a professional and winning culture, making it through COVID, et cetera. But doubt is creeping in, in that maybe the moment hasn't moved on. In the Browns' new normal, where alignment and consistency have been achieved and are worth preserving, but where winning is now the expectation, how many times is too many for a head coach to say he has to be better with nothing changing? That is a finely written, is Kevin Stefanski the right guy question for you, Mary Kay? Well, you know, I, again, I have 
uh, many times this season on these low Mondays, I have, I have said to him, you know, have you thought about changing anything up? I asked him again today. We're taping this on, on Monday. I asked him again today, have you decided, you know, is there something that you should be doing differently procedurally with who is calling the plays on both sides of the ball? And once again, you get the, you know, kind of evasive answer, which he's really good at that. Uh, He was communications major. He knows how to say nothing and have his lips moving and a lot of words coming out. Um, But so we didn't really get any kind of uh, clarity on that. But I do think that he needs a little bit of help on, on play calling right now. I think he needs some assistance and I don't know who would be the right person to sort of work with him. And he's got a lot of advisors. I mean, he's got Bill Callahan. He's got Kevin Rogers. Uh, he's got Chad O'Shea, who's called plays before. He's got Alex Van Pelt, who's called plays before. Um, once again, as I mentioned, I think the late buy has hurt. They haven't really had the time to break it all down and change it all up. And they do need, uh, they, they need to change for the home stretch. They need to change up some things. Um, I don't know that Kevin is calling the right kind of a game for Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I mean, I think those two guys, you know, probably uh, need to work through this a little bit together uh, so that Baker is getting what he needs called to be successful. I do think there could be a world where a Kevin says, you know what? I'm not seeing it right now. Mm-hmm. Let some, let a new fresh pair of eyeballs look at that play sheet and make the calls on Sunday, Alex, here you go. And I also think as the, as Megan suggested, he has been a poised calming influence when things get rough. He's, he's good. I think at c- calming things down. I wonder about him. If your team's at a point where it needs a kick in the butt. And I, and I, I think maybe that's what this team needs more than like being calmed down. They need to be motivated. They need to be challenged. And I just, maybe that's an incorrect perception, but I think maybe if you took a little bit of the offensive stuff off Kevin's plate and let him be a hundred percent head coach for a couple of weeks, I think it could help in both ways. Let Kevin get down to the business. I'm going to have individual meetings with all these guys. I'm going to go sit in defensive meetings. I'm going to, I'm going to change up. I'm going to like force myself maybe to be a little bit different from a personality standpoint, but also we're going to let Alex make some decisions with the play sheet. And I think that could be good both ways, Mary Kay. I'm sort of would doubt that he would do it, but I could see the benefits. Yeah. I mean, I, I could too, to a degree, but here's the other thing that I keep coming back to with so many talented players on this football team, having so, you know such little production, such a lack of production on the part of so many guys. I think you still do have to keep looking at the quarterback and finding out why more plays aren't being made, even if the passes are being dropped. Uh, You know, I just think that when you've got Jarvis Landry kind of struggling and you've got Rashard Higgins struggling and you've got Austin Hooper struggling to produce, and you obviously had Odell Beckham Jr. struggling to produce. uh, I I think, you know, I I don't think that you can really ignore the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong and they really need to figure it out. And maybe once again, maybe health has a lot to do with it. Maybe it doesn't, but there's something wrong from a passing standpoint. And it's not, and it wasn't just Odell Beckham Jr. We'll take a last break here on Hey Mary Kay. Come back with a Jarvis Landry question and a couple more next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. 
Back with Mary Kay Cabot. We're going to go to Terry in Strongsville. Do you think the Jarvis Landry problem is the injury, the scheme, Baker, or is he on the downhill side of his career? And then we'll couple that with a question from Dan in Strongsville, which is a bigger picture receiver question. Hey, Mary Kay, what appears to be the problem with the lack of production from our wide receivers? For example, uh, Anthony Schwartz keeps always seems to not finish his routes and Baker's throws are off target. What do you think, Mary Kay? Well, first of all, let's start with Anthony Schwartz. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again here because it bears repeating. Anthony Schwartz missed almost all of the offseason. He missed almost all of training camp with a hamstring injury. You can't just plug a rookie into a football game when they haven't had the reps. They haven't had the installation. They haven't had, you know, you got to rep it over and over and over again. That's why Baker Mayfield and Rashad, Rashad, Rashard Higgins had so much natural chemistry because they repped it over and over and over again in training camp that first year. It matters. It's also why Baker never had chemistry with Odell Beckham Jr. Because he couldn't get his mind right to come here in 2019 for the offseason program because he was still he left his heart in New York and he didn't want to be here. And they never caught back up from that. They never caught back up from not having that quality time together. So Anthony Schwartz is struggling from uh, just a lack of installation and practice standpoint. Uh, and it's too late for him to really catch up and make too much of an impact the rest of the way. He might make a play here or there, but I don't think Baker trusts him very much. I don't think so. So that's going to be difficult. Um, and then just from a Jarvis Landry standpoint, uh, that's a tough one. Jarvis has never had to try to come back from an injury before in the middle of a season because he's never missed games before because of injury. So he's now realizing that when you miss four games and then you come back and you re-injure the, the knee, you got to knock the rust off again. So I'm going to attribute his to the injury because it's very hard for me to believe that he fell off the cliff that fast. I just can't wrap my brain around that. Having said that, I do think that it's time for a change, probably time for a changing of the guard. I mean, I, it's probably time to start transitioning over to, uh, you know, some younger receivers draft one high. Uh, you know, they may have let that go a little long. They, they may have, that may have been an oversight on the part of this front office to think that Jarvis and Odell coming off a couple of surgeries over the last few years and turning 29 this year, that everything was going to be fine. And for right now, it's just not fine. Think about it. That's another thing. I mean, think about that. When you looked at the passing game for this year, didn't you think Odell 1,200 yards, Jarvis 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns and seven touchdowns? I mean, like the passing game is, uh, is very dysfunctional right now. It's very dysfunctional. And there's, there are a lot of reasons for it. You brought up draft the receiver, so I'm going to drop this one on you. Hey, Mary Kay, it's from Frost in Petersburg, Virginia. Who do you think the Browns will pick in the draft? A linebacker, an offensive tackle, a cornerback? Now, he didn't say the thing you just said. I think it might be set up exactly for what you just said to find a number one receiver in the first round of this draft. Who, who do you think? I, I guess this is how we know the Browns are in trouble. They're five and five, and we got at least one draft question already. Where do you think they might be targeting in that first round? Well, I don't think that you can overlook that all-important receiver position. It's a passing league, and you've got to have that really amazing number one guy that can score the football. I mean, I, I forget how many. I think it's three touchdown catches on the part of, um, of receivers 
so far this season. Maybe, no, it's four. Donovan Peoples-Jones has three and Richard has one. I think that might be it. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. That is absolutely unacceptable and unbelievable. And when you look back over the last couple of years, you know, maybe maybe they should have got, gone out and gotten a Justin Jefferson type or a Richard, Richard Bateman type uh, or Jamar, Ch- you know, they, they need that kind of a guy. So, yes, I would look very heavily at a first-round receiver in this draft. I'll tell you, there's a couple guys down the road that I could see slotting into this offense really easily. And, and you look at some draft boards now, there's a lot of pass rushers in this draft. I don't know that that's where the Browns would have to go, but I think there's some good receivers that should be there in the middle of the first round. And who knows? Maybe the Browns will be picking last because they win the Super Bowl. But Garrett Wilson is a guy at Ohio State who can play in the slot or outside is dynamic, 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 but is not only a deep threat. Great with the ball in his hands after the catch. Great with the ball in the air. I think he might might wind up being the number one receiver in this draft, but I think it might not be clear. I would be all in on that. Chris Olave, Ohio State's other receiver, is more of a deep threat. I think he might duplicate Donovan Peoples-Jones a little bit. But Traylon Burks from Arkansas is an interesting guy. And Drake London from USC is a guy who is hurt and out for the year with an ankle injury, which might cause him to fall. He's a number one receiver, too. I think it might work out in a world where they've gone tackle, where they've gone cornerback, where they've prioritized some key position, where they've gone quarterback, where they've gone pass rusher. I actually do think it's time to go receiver with that mm-hmm. first round pick. And I, and I think they could get the right guy who could elevate this offense immediately uh, when he got here. So, you know, nobody necessarily wants to be doing draft talk in November, but when you lose to drop to five and five, that's what happens. Two more for you, Mary Kay. Hey, Mary Kay from Stacy in Columbus. What happens if Cleveland loses to Detroit next weekend? Will that end any belief that this is a playoff caliber team? That is a worst case scenario. What do you think, Mary Kay? It really is a worst case scenario. And I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, in the event that it does happen, I think still because of the fact that you have all of those division games left, four division games left, and everything is so tight and so bunched up, every, everywhere you look, Everybody's got five victories. So it is all still there ahead of you, but you would have to go on a really good run and you would have to win all of those division games and you would have very, very little margin for error, but all would not be lost, believe it or not. Last question. And we, I almost started with this, but instead I saved it until the end. Hey, Mary Kay from Clara in Shellsburg, Iowa. So now what? (laughs) that is Clara's question she said my question is simple so now what and here's how I think you can address this Mary Kay Mm -hmm. you've covered this team for a long time you saw what happened Sunday you saw how Kevin you heard and talked to how how Kevin Stefanski handled this on Monday like what what kind of place do you think this team is in do you think they are in a in a mode where they bottom out that's as bad as it gets you lose by 38 to Bill in New England your pride's hurt and they bounce back? Or is this a sign that something is fundamentally wrong with multiple aspects of this team? I think you would have as good of a read on that as anybody. Well, here's what I would do. If I were Baker Mayfield, uh, I would have a uh, heart-to-heart talk with the coaching staff about uh, just how how the game's being called for him. Uh, And I think he's got to be really honest about his injuries and, uh, you know, really 100% just 
uh, open up about, you know, how the shoulder feels, how the knee feels, how the foot feels, and does he have what it takes and how they can work a game plan around how he really feels if they're going to keep him in there. They need to do that. From a defensive standpoint, as I mentioned before, I think that the, um, you know, I think that the team leaders need to get together with um, on defense with Joe Woods, Chris Kiffin, and the others. And I think they all need to work through what what's going on. And if they need another defensive assistant uh, to handle some of the halftime, you know, sideline adjustments, halftime adjustments, or whatnot, or somebody else needs to get involved in play calling, or they need to, they're mad that John Johnson isn't. Um, you know, playing up closer to the line more, they're not playing enough press man or whatever, uh, or they're not blitzing enough. Uh, they, they need to get that out. They need to get it all out on the table. They can't wait for the bye week So they all need uh, to have their, their little powwows. But then the other thing that I think they really need to do is uh, they need to just go out. And like Anthony Walker said today, go out and play ball. They should be able to beat Detroit. Things are going to look, look a lot of, a lot different next week when they're not in the bot at the bottom of the barrel in the AFC North when they have six victories and they should have six, they should be six and five by next week. Then I talked about this on the pod yesterday, Baltimore's kind of falling apart. Their injuries are catching up to them uh, defensively, especially they have a bad defense. They're not, they're playing some weird offense, but their defense is not playing well at all. 31st ranked pass defense in the NFL. At least it was heading into last weekend's games. The Browns should be able to take advantage of that. They should be able to exploit a bad pass defense. You can win. You can at least split those games. Okay. So you're going to have two more victories coming up over the next three weeks, I think. And then the narrative changes. And then you just kind of have to keep it going because you, it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but I still think that they have a chance and they need to just pull together and go out and win the next game. I thought that was a great round of Hey, Mary Kay. Great questions from our Browns insiders. Great answers from the one and only Mary Kay Cabot. Thanks to you guys for making Hey, Mary Kay and the Orange and Brown Talk podcast part of your Browns fandom. A lot more podcasts coming your way this week. Got to watch the tape on Thursday. Scott Patsko is going to break down how the Browns are and are not using their receivers in this offense this year. So look forward to that roundtable as well. Game preview coming your way. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Browns. I'm Doug Maurice. She's the great Mary Kay Cabot. Thanks to you guys for listening to this version of Hey, Mary Kay.